You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello. How are you, my friend? Good. Well, I've got one this morning that's pretty rough for you. Uh, we have found that our, our friend, uh, the uh, Republican nominee, our California friend, been playing uh, on the outskirts with our enemies and our friends both. He's been doing it through rather subterranean sources here. I need not repeat the story about the end of the 1968 election campaign um, because it's it's kind of well known now that between, you know, on one hand, Nixon was sending Anna Chenault who has since revealed to biographers that she had a role in convincing the South Vietnamese not to agree to peace talks. And uh, he has been saying uh, to the Allies that you're going to get sold out. You better not give away your liberty just a few hours before I... Acting as a liaison to the Nixon campaign in South Vietnam, which is interference in foreign policy as a presidential candidate. And they ought to be doing this. This is treason. I know. Um, we also know that Lyndon Johnson discovers this because he bugged Nixon's plane. And he has a few other sources as well. And they know that Nixon's talking to Chenault and the like. Lyndon Johnson does confront Irvin Dixon and then Nixon directly with this just a few days before the end of the election. Nixon's very afraid that Johnson's going to come out and say everything, send the election into a tailspin. Here's what he says to Nixon. Hello. Uh, Mr. President? Yes. Dick Nixon. Yes, Dick. I just wanted you to know that I got a report from Everett Dirksen regarding your call. And uh, I uh, just went on to the press. And I uh, said that uh, on the press that uh, I had uh, given you my personal There is a last-minute announcement by South Vietnamese President Van Thu that he would not attend Paris peace talks. And that hurts Humphrey's late-breaking momentum in the last days of the campaign. I'm back here to carry on the programs of the Democratic administrations. And all about us, all about you here today, is the evidence of what it means to have a Democratic administration. I can remember when I came here before. I can remember coming into this state in 1960 in the month of April and May. I remember the unemployment. I remember the look of despair on the faces of the people. I remember the closed industries. I remember a community after community where 25% of the workforce was without a job. I remember the problems that this state was having. And I saw a republic administration that didn't care a bit what happened to you. 
They didn't lift a finger. We don't know, but Humphrey does a lot better than anybody expected at the time of the Democratic Convention. I mean, Nixon beats him by less than 1%. So we talked about that in the past. And one thing that I've said is that Lyndon Johnson gave Humphrey the option to call Nixon out to make it a campaign issue. But given that it was not Johnson's campaign, it was Humphrey's, he put it in Humphrey's hands to do it. Like so many things with Lyndon Johnson, it gets more complex because there is something missing from that story. So there's two sides as to why Humphrey ends up doing nothing with this. Um, some is that he doesn't want to throw a charge out of, of, of treason in like the last days of a presidential campaign. What if Humphrey loses, Nixon becomes president, and now this is going to affect the next president? I mean, you know, it's 1968. People have a different sense of politics. We're getting a little choppy, but it, 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 it certainly people had a little sense of it. It's Stuart Eisenstadt, who is a um, Humphrey campaign worker, but he's also going to have a role in Jimmy Carter's, big role in Jimmy Carter's domestic policy later. His take on it is that Humphrey knew of the interference and didn't make it public because he was, quote, too Minnesota nice. Walter Mondale, who became Carter's vice president, connected to Humphrey, um, he disagreed. He didn't know why Humphrey made the decision not to disclose that they knew Nixon was talking to the South Vietnamese. As part of a New York Times story, when asked about it, Mondale even reached out to some other veterans of the 68 campaign, and no one really had a clear answer. But there is one thing to consider that I haven't considered in my previous podcast, too, is that it could be that maybe he was too Minnesota nice. And then the other is that Humphrey didn't have any hard proof of Nixon's involvement in interfering in the treaty. How do, why would Humphrey think that, that there was no hard proof? Because that's all that Johnson tells him. So Johnson discloses that Nixon's been doing this, but presents it as more of he's hearing this. He doesn't tell him that they bugged Nixon's plane, and they have it, or that the FBI has traced the contacts between um, Nixon campaign officials and Anna Chenault and the South Vietnamese. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello all, Eric Rivenis with the most notorious podcast here. 
Each week I interview an author or historian about a historical true crime, tragedy, or disaster. Subject matter ranges from gunslingers to Gilded Age murder to gangsters to fires to pirates to wild prison breaks. My guests bring their incredible knowledge directly to you. Please subscribe to Most Notorious on your favorite podcast app. Cheers, and have a safe tomorrow. So if Humphrey went public with such a charge, it would be Humphrey alone making the statement as a presidential candidate. And one can imagine where that might go. Those of you on the Patreon or Premium, you know you I have that uh, special. If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to Draft Johnson. But you know one of the key themes of that is that Johnson just didn't treat Humphrey well at all. And I guess you can't say the guy wasn't warned before he accepts the vice presidency. Johnson tells him that we're not going to be good friends after this. This is a terrible job you're taking. I, you know, it's, it's just um, he clothed me with nothing is what Humphrey says of LBJ later. And he's absolutely right. Johnson did very little to help him in that campaign, even in this, you know, Johnson's so... We hear those tapes, those phone tapes of giant. I've played them on the podcast. They're available online of Johnson fuming to Irv, uh, Everett uh, Dirksen that this is treason and I'm upset. He's a little less of that when he's actually on the phone with Nixon. Um, but that word treason heard on the phone. But when it comes to telling the guy that can actually do something about it, the presidential candidate, he doesn't give him everything that he would need to make such a charge, that backup, that there would be proof. So um, just another story about how Johnson didn't help Humphrey in that campaign of 68. A quick story. Uh, Ann Compton and John Dickerson uh, were interviewed in a blog, and I noted a little story about the 2004 election. They actually got to ride on the Air Force One with George Bush and campaign officials on the night of election. Ann Compton says, can I tell you a little story? Um, I love the moment when John Kerry was running for president. I was on Air Force One on the travel pool with President George W. Bush, and he went to vote in Crawford that morning. And as his staff was standing outside, kicking the dirt with the toe of their shoes, they looked like they just lost. They looked miserable. President Bush and Laura Bush cast their votes. They came out and told the small group of press traveling with them, look, I've done my best. It's now in the hands of the American people. I thought, oh, my God, he must have polling that shows that. We get on the Air Force One. We start looking at the early exit polls, which we see, but we never put on the air because they're not reliable. And John Kerry's sweeping it. We actually, on Air Force One, discussed whether Kerry would have his transition offices in Boston or in Washington. Of course, by the time we landed in Washington early evening, tables had turned. John Dickerson confirms, I was on that flight. Everything Ann says is true. They look like they had turbulence when they got off Air Force One. It's a very important point. That should have taught us a lesson about exit polls. The first wave is always wrong. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.